0: All right. All right. Good morning. My name is Eric. I get to be the pastor here. I'll try this. I'm excited to be here. How about you? All right. Uh, well, good morning. Uh, we are kicking off this new series called Summer Playlist, where we're going to spend a uh, summer in the Psalms, kind of our, our road trip through the Psalms. And it's going to be kind of like a, a seminar each week where we're learning from God's Word out of the Psalms. So you might even call it a psalminar. Thank you, thank you. That one's just for Nate. Uh, Boo. Thanks, Brian. Uh, But to start with, we're going to be looking over these next couple weeks on what can we learn about what God says about wisdom and how to apply that to our lives. And first, we need to know what does wisdom mean? Wisdom is seeing your life as God sees it. Wisdom is seeing your life as God sees it. It's seeing it from the perspective of God. How many of you think your life would benefit to have a little bit more of God's wisdom in it? Yeah? How many of you, maybe the last seven days would have gotten better if you had more of God's wisdom in your life? How about the last 24 hours? Yeah. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, I think you need a little more wisdom in your life. Well, this series is going to help you get some wisdom. Because the reality is, there's no one in this room who can say, you know what, I'm good. I don't need any more wisdom. I, I, I've got all the wisdom I can get. See, we all could grow in wisdom. And we're going to be taking this road trip uh, through the book of Psalms this summer. And it's important to remember as we dive into the book of Psalms that it's not like other books of the Bible. Here at Mosaic, we love books of the Bible. We love going through a whole book uh, like Genesis, Luke, uh, books like that, Esther. But we have to remember, Psalms is not like that where it can have a start, a middle, and an end. It's not like a novel. Instead, it's more like an anthology. Instead of like a concept album, it's more like a playlist that God put together uh, of kind of the best of hits. You could even think of the book of Psalms like a photo album, uh, where each psalm is a different picture of the journey that, uh, we, that we've gone through. Uh, it's not a novel. Such a book's not going to have an overarching plot to the whole book But it's going to have a plan. And as we set out to explore the different photos in the book of Psalms, we might recognize places that we ourselves have been to on our spiritual journey. Today, we're going to see that we need to to learn to decide and to delight. We need to decide to decide and to delight. And we're going to see that the decisions that we make about who we're going to spend time with is going to determine who we delight uh, would you join me and let's uh, uh, let's say a quick word of prayer. God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for the book of Psalms. God, I pray that this morning uh, the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be pleasing in your sight, O oh Lord. God, that these would be your words. Uh, as we journey through the book of Psalms this summer, God, that uh, your truths would get down deep into our hearts. God, I thank you so much for uh, the ability to gather together today. And I pray that you'd be with us. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, I'll never forget the time that my best friend caused all the hair on my head to fall out. <laughs> uh, a couple of years ago in college, I was in a band. And uh, we were pretty good, and, and we played some great shows. And we had this opportunity to play at this big youth convention in Iowa. And it was the biggest show that we would played at that time. And so we all kind of wanted to take things to the next level. Well, my buddy Dan was our bass player. And he had the coolest hair in the band. He just kind of stood up in all different directions. It was awesome rock star hair. And as a guitar player, I was like, it's not fair for the bass player to have the best looking hair, right? And so I was like, what's your secret, Dan? And he wouldn't tell me, he wouldn't tell me. Finally, he's like, all right, my secret is I get this box of chemical straightener and I straighten my hair. And I was like, okay, we're roommates. I was like, okay, we're gonna do this together. So the night before we left for this big conference, we both used this chemical straightener instead of paying money to go to a real place. And we straightened our hair. And the next day, my hair looked kind of weird, but it still looked pretty cool. Well, a couple days later, after the conference is over, we're driving home and I'm you know, running my hands kind of through my hair, and I feel something really weird. And I feel clumps of hair in my hand And I was like, oh no, what's happening? And I kind of pull out all my hair And we had fried our hair uh, completely And so just our hair fell out in chunks And so we had to shave our head And that's when I learned really the painful lesson That uh, your friends will determine the quality and direction of your life Uh, Your friends will determine the quality and direction of your hair Uh, You know, as the people around us influence us in such a big way See, here's the thing about the people that we spend our time with. The thing that makes friendship so great is also the thing that makes friendship so dangerous. See, when I'm with my friend, I I drop my guard. And sometimes I do stupid things that make my hair fall out. Because if you're like me, probably your greatest regrets don't involve, like, your enemies or people you couldn't stand. Probably your greatest regrets in life involve your friends, Maybe some destructive habits that you picked up. You picked up hanging out with your friends, just having a good time. Maybe some of the really dumb things that you did was just hanging out with your friends. So your friends will determine the quality and direction of your life. This isn't something we decide. It's a principle. And we can either let that principle work for us or against us. Today we're going to dive into Psalm 1 and we're going to learn that we need to decide and to delight. And the first thing we need to decide is who are we going to let influence the quality and direction of our lives? Who are we going to let influence the quality and direction of our lives? Let's dive in. We're in Psalm 1, verse 1. And uh, this summer we'll be going through different psalms. We're going to start in the first one. You can follow along in your Bible app or on your Bible or the words will be here up here on the side screen as well. Psalm 1, 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. The first line of our anthology of Psalms says, blessed is the man. And you could read that as, as blessed is the man or woman. It's not just for guys, but blessed is the man. When God put this anthology together, he had a reason for that. Why did he put this one first? Why? Did he put Psalm 1 with the very first line, Blessed is the man? See, the psalmist wants you to be blessed. Jesus, we talked about this in February on the Sermon on the Mount, he talks about what it means to live a blessed life. See, God wants you to be blessed. If you're taking notes this morning, you can write that down that God wants you to be blessed. God isn't some angry, Old man, you know, like Thor with a hammer waiting to just smash you down every time you mess up. God doesn't have a scowl on his face when he's thinking about you. God loves you. God wants you to be blessed. That's his plan. He desires for you to be blessed. The problem is, though, that our culture has really defined blessed to a way that means that, uh, you know, things are just going pretty good for me. It's like, hashtag Blessed. You know, I got free Starbucks today. Awesome. You know, like hashtag blessed. Like the avocados are on sale at Cub. I'm blessed. Like my kids haven't slept through the night in eight years. They finally did. Hashtag I'm blessed. Like, right? Like that's what we think that blessed means. Well, the problem is that we rob ourselves of what the word blessed really means when we buy into what culture says about being blessed is all about. So we need to ask, what does the Bible mean when it says that we can be blessed. What, what, what does God's word mean? Is it just like getting free Starbucks? Is it just getting a good night's sleep? Here's what God's word means when, it, when uh, that to be blessed. You can write this down. Blessed. It's a God-given state in which your soul finds full satisfaction regardless of your circumstances. It's a God-given state. It's something that you can't achieve on your own. It's from God. It's a God-given state in which your soul finds full satisfaction, regardless of your circumstances, regardless of what is going on in your life, your soul can have that place of satisfaction. That's what it means when the Bible talks about being blessed. God has given me the state where I can sit in it and despite the uncertainty of life, I can know that God is with me. I can have full satisfaction of my soul regardless of what is going around, around me. See, Blessed is not just a state of affairs. Blessed is a state of mind. Raise your hand if you want to be blessed relationally. Yeah, raise your hand if you want to be blessed financially. Yeah, raise your hand if you want to be blessed spiritually. Yeah, I kept my hand up. See, we all want to be blessed. Our desire is to be blessed, and God wants to bless us. But just because God's desire and his plan for you is to be blessed doesn't mean it's automatically going to happen. Number one, we have to choose to have a relationship with the one who's the giver of all blessings. We have a decision to make. Are we going to walk with God, our creator, who has designed the right way for us to live? Number two, are we going to follow his plan for our life? We have a decision to make. Number three we see that there is opposition to the blessings of God. In our lives, there's always going to be opposition to the blessings of God. See, God wants you to have a fruitful and blessed marriage. But our enemy, the devil, doesn't want you to be on the same page as your spouse, doesn't want you to have a healthy marriage. Your enemy doesn't want you to experience financial blessing and peace and a life filled with generosity. Our enemy wants us to be bound by financial stress and relational stress in our lives. So your enemy wants you to live a life with no margin, always filled, running around, no a life filled with financial and relational and spiritual stress, but God wants to bless you. We have an enemy who's going to fight the blessings of God in your life. We need to come against that. So what's the next step after I choose to pursue a blessed life? So what is the next step? Well, the key question we have to ask is, whose words are going to shape me? Whose words are going to shape me? Will I listen to and walk those, walk alongside those who are going to influence me in a positive way? Or am I going to sit with the scoffers and the mockers and those who are negative in their lives? Those who aren't going to help me grow in wisdom? See, in Psalm 1, we see this progression of walking and then standing and then sitting. That's kind of how our relationships go. First, you're just kind of walking with someone. You're kind of just doing life a little bit alongside of them. But then, as you get to know them better, maybe you stop and you stand. And you're having this relationship and you're talking. And then finally, the most intimate relationships is when you're sitting down and you're listening and you're sharing. So the question is, who are you going to choose to walk with? Who are you going to choose to stand beside? And who are you going to sit with. People are going to try to influence you for good or bad. And there are people in your lives, in my lives, who just lean towards negative thinking, who lean towards not seeing the world the way that God sees it. And they're going to try to get you to think the same way as them. And maybe as I'm talking, you've even got some people in your minds It's that guy at work, you know, the king of criticism. He's in the break room. He's filling up his coffee cup and like the paint's peeling off the wall because he's so negative about everything. And if you don't watch it, as you spend time standing with him, soon you're going to be sitting in the same negativity that he sits in. Maybe you remember that girl from college, the queen of criticism, The queen of cruel, that she has a doctorate in damnation, that she just is always looking at, oh, look at what they're wearing. Can you believe what they did? That friend who's always picking on other people and how they're not good enough and how they do it, their kids isn't good enough, and what they're wearing isn't stylish enough. And if you aren't careful, before you know it, you're going to start thinking and behaving like her. Is this making sense? Now, this doesn't mean we never spend time with people who are in need of God's love and grace We are called to live a missional life to make a difference and to influence others. But we need to decide who are we going to let speak into our life and influence our thinking, our feeling. Because the truth is our friends will determine the quality and the direction of our life. Did you know that even the whole idea of friendship and community was created by God? If you wanted to boil the whole Bible down to its very, maybe one of its most simplest themes, it's this. Is that God is building a family and he wants you to be a part of it. God is building a community and he wants you to be a part of it. See, God himself is a community community. When God created humans, he wasn't wandering around lonely in need of some people. The Bible tells us that God is three in one, three persons. There's this idea that they have been dancing in unison and fellowship and creation forever. Completely satisfied with each other. God is three in one. Don't try to think about it too hard. It's hard to wrap our minds around. But just know that God is a community into himself And out of love and grace, he said, you know what, this is too good to experience just by myself. And I need to invite and create others into this. And so God created us to have a relationship with him. And God invites us into community with him. It's important to know that God has been in perfect community and friendship for all of eternity. And he's inviting us into that same community for those of us who bow the knee to Jesus. See, when you're saved by God, you are saved into community and into a community. What I love about Mosaic here is that you can belong even before you believe. You don't need to believe everything that we believe to be long here, to be part of a small group, to be part of our community. We welcome doubts. We welcome questions. Say, come on in. Be a part of us. Ask those questions Find what, your doubts. See, people talk a lot about tolerance, that we should tolerate each other. I hate that word, tolerate. Like, I should just tolerate you? Like That's dumb, right? That's, that's stupid. God says we should love each other. Love is way better than tolerance. It's not just about tolerating each other. It's about saying, no, we are created to love each other. We hope that Mosaic is a place where you can feel welcome, that you can come as you are. Come as you are, but don't stay that way, because God is doing something in your life. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, don't get too used to me. Tell them, I'm not who I was, and I'm not who I'm going to be yet. God is changing you and transforming you, so we shouldn't get so used to each other because we are constantly changing and being transformed by God's love and grace. Amen? Amen. See, so your culture feeds us this message of independence, that we can just do it on our own, that you need to be strong on your own. That's not God's plan. God's plan is for you to experience genuine, loving community. Even Jesus needed community, his closest friends with him while he was here on earth. See, who you are in community with will determine the quality and the direction of your life. See, the truth is, your faith in God will be affected by your friendships. Your faith will be affected by your friendships. Who are you spending time with? That is going to determine how you grow in your faith. Be with people who encourage you to see the world as God sees it, who will encourage you to grow in wisdom, to grow more in love and grace to grow more in knowledge of who God is. Your faith is affected by your friendships. Proverbs has some great wisdom on friendships. Proverbs 13, verse 20 says this, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Now, what's really interesting about this is our author doesn't say, Solomon, that those who walk with the fools will become foolish. He actually says that they're going to suffer harm. See, the reality is if you're hanging out with a bunch of fools and people who aren't living the way that God designed us to live, you are going to be affected by the shrapnel of their lives when everything blows up. If you're constantly hanging out with people who are just making some dumb decisions, if you're hanging out with the foolish people, your life will be affected by that. Those if we walk with the wise will become wise, but the companion of fools suffers harm, if you're hanging out with a bunch of fools, you are going to suffer harm. Whether you are 13 years old or 33 or 68 years old, it's a principle that is true in your life. The companion of fools will suffer harm. Proverbs 16 verse 28 says, a dishonest man spreads strife and a whisperer separates close friends. The Bible's saying be careful of busybodies. Be careful of people who are always want drama in their life, saying don't spend so much time with them. Don't be friends with them. See, people are going to gossip to you. They're going to gossip about you. If people gossip about others to you, they're doing the same thing about you. And the Bible tells us that a whisperer separates close friends. Watch out for people who are always causing division and stirring up drama. They're going to separate friendships. And last one, Proverbs nineteen nine. Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. See, every once in a while, you have to just give your friend a mulligan. See, I've got four kids now, which is crazy to say. Well, fourth one's a week old. Four kids, eight and under. And sometimes, this is just the truth, sometimes, okay, all the time, my kids need a nap. Any other parents in the room? Like, sometimes your kids, you're just like, man, you need a nap. Here's the reality. Sometimes your friend... They might just need a nap, okay? Give them a little extra grace. Cut them some slack. Be like, man, I can't believe what they did. You know what? I'm going to give you a mulligan. You, know, you just need a nap. And if you really love them, like, watch their kids and let them take an actual nap. Like, that would be the best thing you could do for them, amen? So first, I need to make a decision that I'm going to choose to spend time with those who are going to help me grow in wisdom. And then I need to learn how to delight in God's word. I need to learn to delight in God's word. Okay. I know some of you guys are like, delight? It's kind of a girly word, right? Well, stick with me. Delight means you value something deeply. To delight means you value it deeply. You delight in your kids. You delight in your wife. You delight when you're on the golf course and you have that perfect swing, right? You delight when you catch that perfect walleye. That's what God's word is talking about. You delight in the word of God. You you value it deeply. And by the way, husbands, I want you to know that the Bible is very specific, specific about how you should delight in your wife. Uh, if you're new to church, maybe your verse this week you want to look up with your wife and study is Proverbs 5, 19, 18 and 19. Proverbs 5, 18 19. Go home, read that, write that down um, about how you should delight in your wife. So there you go. Take that home. That's your homework. But God wants us to delight in his word. God wants us to delight in his word. More than just a book to us, God wants us to delight in it. Parents, your kids need to see you delighting in God's word, holding an actual Bible, not just reading the Bible app on your phone. I know it's so much more convenient, and I struggle with this. This is so hard, but it's so good to see our kids watching us actually read a physical Bible, to take delight in it, to carrying it around, to say, You know what, kids, this is important to me. Before your kids go off to school or this summer, come up with a plan. How are we as a family going to delight in God's word? It can be something simple. It can just be one verse, and we're going to talk about this and explain it to our kids. I am not perfect in this. My wife and I, Kristen, we're just talking like we need to get better at this. We need to show our kids that we delight in God's word, that it is important to us, that we value it deeply. Psalms 1, 2 through 3, the second half of this says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. and all that he does, he prospers. We delight in God's word, and we meditate on it. Now, I know that word meditate can be a little intimidating for us in kind of Western culture, but really in the original Hebrew, the idea is that you're going to, The meditate means to chatter in your mind. It's this idea of like like when you go to the zoo and a monkey's like chattering or an animal, that you're gonna take that scripture that you read and you are going to chatter it in your mind, that you're gonna think about it, you're gonna all throughout your day, blessed is the man, blessed is the man, blessed is the man. And he's like a tree planted by streams of water. God, help me to be planted into your word. That's what meditating on it means. If you wanna experience the blessed life, You're going to need to chatter about it in your mind. You need to be thinking about it, getting God's word deep down into it. Uh, As we wrap up today, I just want to give you three markers for those who are delighting and living in God's word. Three markers for those who are delighting and living in God's word as, as I head towards my conclusion here. Number one, they've been planted. Number one, they've been planted. Number two, they are in process. And number three, they will prosper. Number one, We need to understand that God has planted you. It doesn't mean he's planted you in your circumstances. If you are in an abusive situation, you need to get out of it. But where you are, God has planted you. God has selected you. Those who know me well know that I just have this thing about trees. I love trees. We live in Maple Grove, just around the corner from here. And uh, I planted 27 trees in my yard in the last three years. That's crazy. I know. I love trees. But here's the thing about when you plant a tree, you don't just go and say, ah, any old tree's fine. No. You carefully select that tree. Like, oh, a river birch would be perfect right here. You know? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But that's how it is in your life. That God has planted you. He has carefully selected you to be who you are, to be where you are. But here's the thing. I can plant that tree. I can water it. But that tree has a decision to make. It has a decision whether it's going to extend its roots beyond the hole that I've dug and to dig down deep into the soil and take root. Wherever God has planted you, you have a decision to make as well. Are you going to let your roots go down deep into God's word to plant yourself in him, to be rooted in God and in his promises. The reality is, God has planted us. See, right now, maybe you feel like you are in a dark place. Maybe you feel like God has put you in a tomb, or that just the, the waves of anxiety and depression is over you, and you feel hopeless, and you feel like it's so dark. But I don't want to tell you, it's not a tomb. Perhaps God has planted you like a seed. And like that seed that is in the darkness and doesn't understand, you put your roots down and you will grow and seek the light and you will come out of it. God has planted you for a purpose. God has a plan. Number two, it says that we are in process, that we are planted, that we are in process, that we are changing who we are. That God is transforming our lives. That we are bringing forth fruit in our lives. Number three, we see that you will prosper. That if you are planted, if you are in process, if you are growing your roots down deep, if you're choosing to anchor your life in the promises of God, that you will prosper. Now, this doesn't mean like prosperity gospel, that you're going to have the Midas touch, that everything in your life is just going to be turned to gold. It means that you will experience the blessings of God. Do you remember that definition? A God-given state in which your soul finds full satisfaction regardless of your circumstances. We're planted. We're in process. We will prosper, which means we'll live a blessed life. A God-given state in which your soul finds full satisfaction regardless of your circumstances. We have a decision to make. Who are we going to influence us? Who are we going to walk with? Who are we going to stand with? Who are we going to sit with? And then are we going to delight in God's word? Uh, a couple months ago, I was listening to a podcast, and they interviewed these two close friends. And their story of their friendship was so moving to me. They'd been friends since, uh, really, they were born. They were actually born in the same hospital, grew up near each other, got married, had these families. And one got diagnosed with a, with a severe, just terrible illness like ALS. But their friendship and who they chose to spend their time with made such a huge impact on them and now their story is being told again and again and again. And I wanted to show you a little clip uh, from the Today Show about their friendship and then we're going to wrap up. Go ahead and turn your attention and check out this video clip. Such a powerful story. When Justin asked Patrick, will you take this journey with me? And his response, I'll push you. Who are you doing life with? But the most important relationship in your life is a relationship with your creator, with Jesus. And I want you to know that God invites you into friendship and into relationship with him. And if you've not yet crossed that line of faith, To say, Jesus, you are the leader. I'm going to let you push me. Because the reality is, we may not be as broken on the outside as Justin, but we all are bent and imperfect and broken in our own ways. But Jesus says, I'll carry you when you can't carry yourself. And Jesus didn't just carry us up a hill, but Jesus went to the hill of Golgotha on the cross. Carried our sins that we couldn't carry so that we can experience life and freedom and ultimately healing. I want to invite just every head to bow, every eye closed. This morning, you have not yet crossed that line of faith and let Jesus carry you, to let Jesus push you, let Jesus' strengths be there for your weaknesses. If he's not yet the leader and the savior of life, I want to give you the chance to respond. When I count to three, I just want you to lift your hand up so I can just make eye contact with you. And I believe that what God is showing in your heart is true and real, and then when we respond physically on the outside, it makes what's going on inside all the more real. If you want to respond to that free gift of salvation, I want you to raise your hand on the count of three. One, I believe God loves you so much. Number two, that you, your life will never be the same. Three, go ahead and raise your hand. If you'd like to make that decision to follow Jesus, I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand. I see that hand. The Bible tells us that if we confess with our mouth and if we believe in our heart, we will be saved. There's no magic words that save you, but if you would like to make that decision Why don't you pray this with me? Jesus, I give you control. Be the leader of my life. Be my savior. Be my strength. Thank you, God, for saving me and welcoming me into your family. Amen. Bible tells us that you will be saved. You've put your faith and trust in Jesus. Can we give a hand to those this morning that made that decision? Amen. And not only is that relationship with Jesus the most important, but those who are walking with, who are you allowing to push you? Who is walking next to you? Justin and Patrick are, are very strong followers of Christ. And after doing this journey. They actually have written a book. They're actually speaking around at churches and different organizations about what does true friendship and community look like. Uh, close to you should have a green piece of paper. And on there is our summer small groups. Now, I know we are all super busy over the summer. I get that. And so what we have is we have seven different summer small groups. And our summer small groups are more focused on relationships than uh, going through a bunch of questions and things like that. And so, I want to encourage you to sign up for a small group. Uh, a lot of our small groups are going to meet once or twice a month. Uh, a lot of our small groups, like our Sunday night group, our young adult group, they haven't even set necessarily the exact days and times and w- when they're meeting. There's going to be some flexibility there. And so, once people sign up for those groups, we're going to say, hey, what works for us? How can we get together? The important thing is, who are you doing life with? Who are you going to decide? to let speak into your life. Who are you going to let push you? So sign up for that group. You can do that online. You can do that on a connection card. And then right over here at the Resource Center, you can drop off those connection cards over there. Uh, for every first-time guest, drop off your card at the guest services, and we'll give you a $5 gift card to Starbucks. So your next step today is who are you going to do life with? I want to encourage you, sign up for a group, just once or twice a month this summer, just to have some people you're doing life with, just some friendships who are going to push you to take that next step. All right, would you stand with me? Thanks for being here. Our first Sunday at Rice Lake Elementary. We're excited. Um, Right after service, uh, if you don't have kids, you can exit through that door after you drop off your connection card. And just go out through the doors there. And out back is where we're going to have the Sunday Fun Day. If you have kids, just go that way. Pick up your kids. And then the hallway by Kids Check-In, you can take that all the way straight out the back. And that's where we're going to have hot dogs, hamburgers, the bounce houses, cornhole, basketball, foursquare. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be so much fun. Uh, Would you receive the benediction? May you know that God doesn't just love you, that he so loves you. May you decide to do life with those who are going to push you, going to help you grow in godly wisdom. And may you delight in God's word as it provides your strength and your sustenance this week. Let's go out of here, uh, have some fun celebrating. Let's flip the lights on. Uh, See you next week.